0: Koshin Paley Ellison, welcome to Wellish. I am so excited to have you here today.
1: I'm so happy to be with you.
0: Yay. Oh my God. I know. I just told you like a hundred times how excited I am to talk to you, but like I just can't even get over it. I'm like fangirling a little bit. (laughs) Tell me who you are. So you're a Zen Buddhist teacher and a Jungian. Am I pronouncing that right? Psychotherapist? Okay. Mm Please break that down for me. What is it that you do exactly?
1: Well, it's a great question. You know, I you know one answer is I do what I do, you know, like as we all do, you know, and and we do the best we can. We we're just talking about the name of your podcast, which is so wonderful, wellish. It's just like, you know, just it's honest. And so the honesty is that we are all doing what we can do, and yet can we actually do a bit more? So I often think about that, you know. And for me, part of it as a I'm a Zen monk and a Zen teacher and a Zen student. I'm all of those things because I feel like any good teacher is also a student, and we're a student because we have a teacher, and we're a teacher because people want to study with us. And so I, I love that reciprocity. And I am also have the honor of companioning people in therapy. And as a Jungian, which is to me a deeply imaginative process, and I was brought to both of those things because I mm, know suffering and I know how awful and scary and traumatizing things can be because I've
0: experienced. Sure
1: and that I know what it means to feel entangled and cornered and frightened.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so part of my own path has been to have ongoing movement into what to me, healing is actually just the unfolding of our life when we're engaged with it. I love that. And because I think that many of us get caught in just being clear like we know our stuff and then hang out in it
0: Mm -hmm. okay and
1: and it's not enough to know your stuff Mm -hmm. like oh i know that's just like i'm screwed up or whatever that is to me there's like that's a great thing to do and really important to actually know like what our challenges are what our struggles are and then to me the amazing possibility is like well how do i meet that with courage and compassion how do i so what is the action that you meet your clarity with Mm -hmm. so that i feel like you know my practice as a zen buddhist and my practice as a therapist and as a husband and as a friend and as a son are all about that, you know, how do I also close the gap between what I say I care about and I value and what I'm actually doing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, from a person that is a very overactive mind, and a lot of my listeners have a very overactive mind as well, is it possible to have a completely quiet mind?
1: Well, this is a question I get all the time.
0: I believe it. <laughs> I just had to ask you though.
1: <laughs> I'm so appreciative of it because it's so honest, right? And mm-hmm. I think many people come, we have a Zen center here in New York city. Yes. And New York, the New York Zen center, and we teach meditation and we also have incredible education programs that are really all about that integration of our values into our action
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when people come here for zen meditation people often come in to meet with me and will say oh i have such an active mind i can't ah
0: <laughs> yeah was it me <laughs> that came in there
1: <laughs> it was you you looked familiar <laughs> and but I think that one of the things that I've learned is, you know, so friends of mine who are neuroscientists, you know that, you know, a, a healthy brain is, has about a hundred thoughts per second. Okay. We're aware of one, maybe two.
0: Interesting.
1: So the brain, like, is just a little little organ, five pound organ, secreting thoughts about everything. It's mm-hmm. interpreting what you smell, what you see, what you imagine. You, it's bringing you into like past stories. It's always just working away. And what's so amazing, because a meditation practice, from my understanding, is not about not having thoughts, but not grabbing onto them and becoming them or like uh-huh. going into that crazy loop of rumination.
0: Yes, uh, like, okay. Or, or, or. Yes, absolutely.
1: So it, it's actually learning just to one of my friends, Gil, he says uh, it's like climbing out of the river of thoughts mm-hmm. and sitting on the bank and just watching them flow by. So mm-hmm. it's not a problem. It just it tends to be a problem when we fall back into the river
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we get swept downstream. hmm uh-huh. So, learning how to then just get back out, get onto the bank of the river and watch. So, we're not identifying with the thought. We're just like, oh, look at the thoughts about that. What's for lunch? That email. Did I post that? Did I not post that? Whatever that is. And just like, hmm, whatever that is. Yeah. And it's an easy thing to say. <laughs>
0: but not easy to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Absolutely.
1: So I always, you know, encourage people because many people come, but they'll come one time and think that they're going to get their Zen on. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm like all stressed out. I'm going to get my Zen on. Well, you know, it often is really challenging. Sure. And, and to really, to me, it's, one of our students talks about like, it's the marathon. It's not the spring. Yeah. So, so how do you just like, okay, learning how just to be steady, mm-hmm. we fall down, we get up, we fall back in the river, we get out, we fall into the river of thoughts, feelings and get mm-hmm. out and just, and just learning how to do that without it being a big deal.
0: Yeah. I love that you say that because I think that was such a large issue for me (laughs) that I thought like, okay, finish line, like I'm going to read these books and I'm going to do the things. And then one day I'm going to cross the threshold and be wonderful and great. And that's just not how it works. So I love that because I feel that you very much bring awareness to the process that it's always going to be in and out of the river. Are you drowning for a minute in the river? Maybe, but you know, you're going to climb back out of it. You just kind of have to work towards that. Totally. What would you say is the first step in that process? Like if somebody was like, I want to get my Zen on, what would what would be the first thing that you tell them? <laughs> we we're coining that now to be a new thing.
1: <laughs> well, what I would say is, you know, to me, there's this like really cool instruction of the Zen posture, which to me is also the posture, physical posture, but also like it's an awesome four-step posture for our mind and our heart. And because in Zen, we're not interested in separating
2: mm-hmm.
1: our heart and mind and spirit with anything else. So where it's everywhere we go. And so what I would suggest is like finding a way to sit in a way where you feel grounded. So feeling your sit bones, if your feet if you're sitting in a chair or you're standing in line at the grocery store just like feeling your feet on the ground like actually making that contact
0: yes and making yourself feel present in that moment like yes "Mm, mm." Mm -hmm. here i am this is (laughs) real yeah (laughs) yeah
1: and then actually sometimes i find it helpful to put my hands on my lower belly which is just below your belly button, and Zen we call it your hara, which is just like this sweet spot, right? You know, two inches below your belly button. You just put your hands there, and just see if you can allow your breath to move your hands there.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, I can.
1: Even a tiny bit.
0: Yeah, that's awesome because it it's definitely. Allowing... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, no no i was going to say
0: it definitely brings that awareness back to me that it's it's i feel like i always try to focus on my breath and i'm thinking of it up here like <laughs> if i bring it down here it slows it big time
1: mm. totally totally and without even having to do like fancy deep breathing or totally. anything yeah just like regular and so grounded and soft in your belly. And then just seeing if you can like open your shoulders, even like a millimeter,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I find like super helpful. And so just so again, grounded, soft, open, grounded, and then soft. thinking, and then the fourth one is just upright. So allowing your spine as you know, we often learn in yoga asana classes where you're. You know elongating your spine but also it's a wonderful thing to think about uprightness not just physically but also like am i aligned with what i care about mm-hmm. so being yeah. upright in your values am i being upright in what i care yeah. about mm-hmm. and being loving or being caring or being responsible whatever your whatever really matters most. Sure. And so it's like this, it's such a cool thing to like really think about like grounded, soft, open and upright. How am I doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What a, I like how you word that too. Cause it's a very, it's an easy way to bring it back, bring it back and center yourself and have like actual action steps to focus on instead of trying to remember all the things that you've <laughs> learned in your life. I like it. So, and yeah.
1: it's so cool to actually be in your body.
0: Absolutely. It's again, it's very real. And that's what I think like when we go back to the thoughts and the craziness of like everything that we're thinking about. A lot of the time, it's not real. It's not happening. It hasn't happened yet or it's happened in the past. And that just brings you to your present, to your core. This is who I am. I'm right here and I am safe and I'm okay. So I like it. Absolutely. What do you think people do wrong on their journey to become Zen?
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that you'll relate to this. So I think there was a study in like the 1980s, like back in the day where like, why did most people leave meditation? It was because they didn't get better or it's like, they didn't get well.
2: right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And so the, that we have this idea that we're going to kind of dial it in and like, then I'm good. Mm-hmm that we I think that we mostly get it wrong because we think that there's some arrival point Mm -hmm. that that we don't realize oh this is like the long game
0: yeah (laughs) it never actually has a finish line
1: (laughs) no it's just continuous opportunities to practice to be foolish to be loving to be to fall on our face and get up
0: (laughs) I love it. And
1: actually, I think that to me, the people that I respect and kind of look to are like the people who know that, that it, that there's value to falling down and getting up.
0: Amen. I was listening to Jay Shetty, if you're familiar with him, not too long ago about confidence. And that was one of the main points that he said was that a confident person doesn't have the problem falling on their face they don't have a problem asking questions and trying to gain more knowledge and people so often think that having all the answers and being so quick-witted and knowing everything is what equals confidence and it's so not
1: big time
0: what do you still Maybe. struggle yeah what do you still struggle <laughs> with when it comes to zen since it's a ever-going process and i'm hoping you have something <laughs> that you're still working on
1: but to me it's just continuous so my husband his birthday's coming up and i was trying to do like a secret agent kind of thing
0: mm-hmm. i do that every year <laughs> as if it's like not known that i'm doing it every time
1: <laughs> i was like doing this like i thought i was doing this secret and suddenly like there he was and i was like get out get away from me <laughs> and he was like get away from you and I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and so it was like it was a great moment. This happened about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's <was> awesome. <laughs> so
1: keeping it fresh for yeah. you.
0: Amen. And, uh,
1: and so just like in that moment, it was, just, it was so amazing. And I said, I'm so sorry. You know, like, I I mean, please go away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me reward. <laughs> Still need you gone. (laughs) That's
1: it. But it was so interesting, you know, that still like those like moments of reactivity are just part of it. And one of the things that, you know, he and I have this like very cool practice that we learned from a friend where, you know, you start to say, if one of us is feeling whatever and you say like, what's the story you're telling yourself right now? Like actually. So I shared this also in the book I just wrote called Untangled and Mm -hmm. where, like, I just remember I was walking through the living room and he was sitting at the table (laughs) and he's like, what's that face? And I said, what are you talking about? And then I was like, what's the story you're telling yourself? And he's like, you're leaving me.
0: Oh my God. You're like, I didn't even say anything like that. And I was
1: like, I'm just getting the laundry detergent. I'm going to do the laundry. And I'm like, Are you good? He's like, I'm good. I'll see you in a bit.
0: (gasps) What a quick fix. I love it.
1: But I think it's so freeing just to be like, Oh, right. We're always telling ourselves stories that are so crazy Mm
2: -hmm. and they
1: don't make any sense. And I think that that's the part of you know, I often am encouraging myself and my students to become I become dumb and dumber just like don't have to be so smart about it just Mm to be open and curious and foolish, you know, and because we're always feeling these things. Yes. And they're irrational and kooky. And but I think that if we hold them too tight, they get very kooky, Mm -hmm. and very crazy. And then we could really be thinking, then start ruminating, and thinking that that thought is true.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And what I love about it, you know, is our friend Jerry Colonna, and he, (laughs) you know, taught us this strategy, and it was genius, you know, just to like, what's the story you're telling yourself? And, and is that really true? Mm -hmm. And somehow, even just saying, well, the story I'm telling myself is you're leaving me is, already like creates this sweet distance and you're like in perspective like Mm -hmm. all right that's the story I'm telling myself Mm -hmm. as opposed to like what's real
0: right right how refreshing what you said about just being dumb and dumber but being open because I feel like it just takes away all of the expectations that you put on yourself and as you said so freeing to be able to be like okay (laughs) Let me take a couple steps back because it's really not that intense. I can just be myself. I can just do what I'm doing and trust that I'll find the answer. Big time. Yeah. So you mentioned your book, Untangled. Can you give me like a little brief blurb of what the Eightfold Path is?
1: Yeah. So the Eightfold Path is the last part of this amazing teaching by the historical Buddha. So the historical Buddha was, you know, it's like, I love to share that he, his life, he was just like a person like, mm-hmm. you know, you or me and was trying a bunch of things out because he realized, you know, he wanted to see more clearly in his life and wanted to be free mm-hmm. and didn't know how to do it. So he tried some apps and he tried, you know, listen to some podcasts and read some books and. You know, he actually did try a lot of different things. And then eventually he's like, you know what? I need to like sit and face my fear because my fear is maybe the root cause of my suffering. Okay. And that my fear is dragging me around to like when I feel uncomfortable, I try something else. So, what about if I was uncomfortable and just learned to stay there? Mm-hmm. and not move away from it mm-hmm. and so he did that and what he saw he you know re- recited this short poem when he woke up and what he woke up to was he said oh house builder thou art seen at last the ridgepole is shattered never more will you build a house of sorrow so what he saw was that he was creating his own house of sorrow
2: Mm.
1: it's like he was creating the story of like oh poor me or oh things don't work out for me or things do work out for me you know like all those like conclusions that we're obsessed with
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and how we kind of put more and more giant sticky notes on ourselves yeah and uh i'm a loser i'm terrible i'm not worthy you know there's such a long list yeah that we all and and we all have our favorite go-to ones you know Mm -hmm. the favorite ones that make us feel like shit. you know Mm -hmm. and so he saw that he's like oh i'm responsible for that and so the eightfold path comes from what he realized his first teaching was that there are these four nobilities And as a little boy, you know, I, there was this thing called Encyclopedia Britannica, which was like these big volumes when people used to read books, remember Mm -hmm. books and, uh, and in the, I remember reading about the four noble truths and the first of the nobility said that there's struggle in life, that there's struggle. And I remember reading that, like, wow, (laughs) like, like, I just, I felt like I was being led in on this big secret.
2: Like
0: yeah. I
1: felt that, you know, I grew up in a home where there was not a lot of transparency about what was actually happening. Oh, okay. And kind of pretending things were okay when they were not okay. Sure. And so someone saying like there's struggle and suffering in life and that's noble to say that and to see it, it was like, Whoa. Yeah.
2: You know, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: And the second one is that there, the second nobility is that there's, we get, we grasp, we're like, give me that, give me that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And, or we get caught in our resentments.
2: Yeah.
1: Or we get caught in the idea that we're alone. So those are the three kind of sometimes called the three giants or the three poisons and there's a nobility just to realize like oh yeah i'm caught by those things Mm -hmm. those are part of life Mm -hmm. and the third nobility is that we can change
0: shock <laughs> can you believe it <laughs> thank god
1: <laughs> well i think that many of us forget that
0: Oh, right? uh, completely <laughs> completely this is how i'm stuck forever <laughs> Gotta work yeah, it's through so it.
1: painful it's so painful right yeah so painful
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so the so the third one is sort of like the good news it's like there's a planting the flag like change is actually you can do that yeah but you have to go through the suffering you can't mm-hmm. Jump over it, Mm -hmm. and and the fourth nobility is that there's this path, this eightfold path, which is, you know, really the practices of concentration, of meditation, of right speech, and all the different ways that we can actually pay attention and actually learn how to be in deeper relationship with reality, like how it is right now where you are in your life in the supermarket in the at the atm wherever you are and there's a different way to approach it Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know i often think about like the one about speech you know speech is a practice and the buddha taught about how you know we have to really think about is it true what i'm about to say is it helpful is it is this the right time
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah when I heard that that was something that I was like oh my god and is it true is it is it necessary and what was the third one helpful helpful yes because it's just like
1: and so kind. much I
0: feel like of what we say is just not <laughs> doesn't fall into th- those three categories at least one of the three
1: One of my friends actually took a practice on it's like well I'm gonna I'm gonna practice not talking about other people. Mm -hmm. Because mostly we don't really know what's going on with other people.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's such an easy topic of discussion. That people have that they're like oh we have this human in common so let's just nail on them (laughs) since we have that mutual thing (laughs) and they've done nothing to us we don't know anything really about them
1: and I remember once being at a dinner like a couple of years ago and with some friends who are just wonderful people and you know the conversation started to make that turn where you're kind of like talking about particular person like me mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you feel the negative energy <laughs> creeping in
1: <laughs> and actually I was just like saw it like let me just see what this feels like and it felt terrible
0: yeah for sure
1: and I and I just said can I just can we ask us all a favor? like can we not do that
0: did you say that and, yeah sweet
1: and people were like looked at me and they're all like yeah let's not do that.
0: Sweet. That's amazing.
1: And it was like, to me, such a wonderful moment of yeah. realizing like, oh, you don't have to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And everybody feels that way. Like you bringing it to light and saying that everybody knows that it doesn't feel good to talk about other people. It was a relief. Yes, exactly. It like it gives, again, takes that expectation away of trying to talk about that person and, and have that topic of discussion when instead we can, you know, talk about something deeper, our aspirations, our passions, something else. And then you actually get to connect with that person instead of like, defaulting to a different human being. I love that you said that, though. And I think that it's so important to kind of take note of the fact that they did not respond like, Cushion, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Why would you do that? Or why would you not want to talk about them? It was totally like, oh, wait a second. I'm being an ass. (laughs) Let me keep myself in check. Sweet.
1: Totally, totally.
0: What have you learned about yourself through your work?
1: (laughs) What haven't I learned? (laughs)
0: okay that's what i was thinking you were gonna tell me
1: (laughs) uh let me think you know it's it's, i mean if i'm not learning anything then i feel like i'm in serious trouble because actually i was just interviewing someone for one of our we have a contemplative medicine fellowship for physicians and someone was asking me that you know like what what brings you joy about this work and i was like what doesn't you know, like I I was just so surprised by the question, you know, that because I realized that like, you know, 85% of people feel like that there's not much meaning or joy or connection to what they do. Absolutely. Which is so heartbreaking.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: And then I also sorry, this is a little off topic. No, but please. I just I, I just remembered this statistic that a friend of mine just shared me with, with me about a new poll that of people in the United States identify as themselves as someone without a single friend. Wow. Interesting. 35%, like more than a third of the population.
0: That is a huge number. It's so shocking. That's so heartbreaking.
1: I know. Mm. I know. So one of the things I've learned is just to be, it's just life is so humbling. We don't really know much. And actually, maybe that's what I learned the most is like how little I actually know. Mm -hmm. Like I know like that much. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Like
1: an itty bitty amount. So I think what I learned the most is how important it is to relax and be curious Mm -hmm. and to be dumb and because that's actually true and meaning not knowing a lot Mm -hmm. and i often you know sometimes we go to places where you can see like a lot of the night sky and like i don't know much what like it's so humbling Mm -hmm. i feel like doing my work is just a constant humbling to realize that the expanse of reality and of life and of other people like look at you like like who are you (laughs) it's amazing to me i feel maybe what i learned most is about the amazement of freshness Mm. and to realize that like wow
0: and how nice to live your life like that because like there's so many people myself I hate to admit it, but myself included, goes into situations with strangers and is like, oh my God, I don't want them to look at me. I'm vulnerable. Don't see me. I don't know. Like, whatever. Like, I don't know. I was trying to say the right thing, do the right things. So you don't want them to judge you. How much more peaceful to walk into a situation curious like that and being like, wow, the amazement, this person, what can I learn from them? It'd be such a, a better way to approach it.
1: I mean, what's their deal? Like, if we don't know anyone, it, it's so amazing because we don't really know anything. And oh. like, like I even feel like I'm a mystery even to myself, you know? And, you know, I think that that's the most important and the most true. Mm-hmm. So I guess I the more I live and teach and have the honor of being with people, And being in this life, I just feel like the more mysterious everything is. Amen. In the most amazing way.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. How is being Zen and being positive linked?
1: Hmm. I'm not sure what a positive attitude is. Okay. So.
0: give it to me why don't you understand
1: (laughs) because i think that to be really really curious is not positive or negative okay in a certain way i think that maybe if we think about positivity and negativity which i don't often but it's if i just play with those ideas maybe negativity comes from feeling caught in thinking you know who you are and what life is
0: interesting so let me ask you this then because I feel like I am always like on this like psycho like path to be like I'm gonna figure out who I am (laughs) so like you say that like you never actually know like you're always in the process of learning am I understanding that well, right?
2: I,
1: well i have i have moments where i think i know something and then that's not usually that helpful sure and you know i mean of course there are things that i do know you know like i you know study a lot and i love learning and sure but but i feel the like in general s- it feels super porous you know and uh, it's not like i don't feel like a locked up locked box of knowledge, you know, like, I know this stuff, you know, and, <laughs> and, oh, maybe it has related, there's this really amazing Zen story that I love very much where the Zen teacher, there's this, some Zen teachers specialize in certain arts, and one of them was this tea master. And so this, guy from America comes to a professor who wanted to study, you know, Zen, and goes to meet with his tea master. And so they sit there in this little sweet room and pouring the tea and, and preparing the tea. And so he starts pouring the tea and the guy, the professor person was like, so tell me about this. Tell me about that. do like asking a million questions, but not experiencing what the teacher was showing him was just like how carefully he was scooping the tea and how he was boiling the water and like all the teachings were there Mm -hmm. and this guy's like tell me this tell me that and so the guy the tea master starts pouring the tea and keeps pouring it as the man keeps asking questions until like the tea cup overflows and starts spilling all over the man what are you doing he's like Well, you, you've gone crazy you're not even being a, attentive and the teacher said i'm showing you your mind there's no room for yeah. anything yeah so maybe maybe like i think of that in terms of positivity and negativity maybe but like like where is there any room for new things to come in you know or I often think about you know I do have a Jewish practice in the morning before I open my eyes that I learned this from my grandfather where you just think about five things in life that you're grateful for before you wake up in the morning before you open your eyes
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's so beautiful
0: i love that i'm probably going to do it for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's so it's so amazing cuz then when you open your eyes you're like
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And, and it's so interesting because you know, like my husband, he's like super cranky in the morning. So like, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) and so interesting. So I always have for many years, I was telling myself a story that if he did that practice, he would feel much better. Mm -hmm. But it was really just about me Trying to like blanket him with my stuff. Okay. Like, like he's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. It works for him. Not trying to fix him. Yeah, absolutely. I can picture myself doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so this works. So, so you're going to try it now. <laughs> That's so
2: funny.
1: So, so, so I think maybe that how I relate to that kind of positivity and negativity is really just about being open and. Mm-hmm super alive and curious Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i feel like that comes from yeah i guess maybe the same kind of things about realizing wow look at you
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know and look at what's here yeah you know like, like this morning i was walking out of our house and there's these wildfires you know and so there's a lot of smoke and and yet because of the light there was like just like all the flowers were like like the oak leaf hydrangeas which are these massive amazing flowers were like so vivid they were just like i was like look at you flowers. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah. you
1: go you go flowers you show them who's the boss you know like
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: amazing you it know? Is. and and they'd see so many other people walking down the sidewalk just like me you know but like if you open your eyes and you're actually where you are oh this is the other thing so <laughs> so the thing is like when you're walking down the street and you actually are just walking down the street you recognize other people who are walking down the street
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's very exciting
0: what do you you're mean like, oh. like compared and to like, looking like, at your phone the whole time
1: or just like ruminating.
0: Oh, like you, okay, a lot of, yeah. a
1: lot of most people are like, rrr.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or
1: they're like, you know, rrr, yeah. Rrr.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there's like- either
0: way, totally not in the moment, <laughs> totally not paying attention. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: I've never thought about like the looking at your phone is sort of almost has a very similar affect to people who are ruminating.
0: Absolutely. Cause it's taking you somewhere different. Yeah, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And
1: their faces are usually a little tight and a little flat.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: but
1: it's so fun because then you notice, like, I saw my neighbor this morning, Maureen, and she's like always walking around the block, and i was like Maureen, and she's <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: <sniffs> <laughs> "You're like, what up, girl? <laughs> we see each other. <laughs> that's great." <Yeah. cool. laughs>
1: and I think it. I think that's also related to that, you know, in terms of attitude that it actually tends to feel better, at least in my experience, Mm -hmm. being where I am and being open and porous Mm -hmm. and receptive to reality.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like in a a super ordinary way, like when I say reality, like it's like dog poop on the sidewalk and flowers, you know, like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure that you're like, it just is it more of like a noticing is kind of what you mean compared to like a judging like yeah look at that dog poop it's disgusting <laughs> That's that kind of
2: deal.
1: oh i know another quick start so, yeah please. Anyway, so we, we we used to live in this building up until recently where like there was this person neighbor who would always get in the elevator whenever you saw her in the elevator like how how are you doing she's like oh it's raining hard oh. <laughs> And then, like, the next day, like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, it's hot. It's Horrible. It's cold. It's hot. Like, you get, like, literally. Never
0: happy. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no matter what the conditions are, it's too much of something. It's like being caught in some, like, nightmarish Goldilocks story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. What? Yeah. When you are that way, yeah. like, I love the teacup example. I love that story that you said you love. How does somebody become, how do you create more space? How do you get some of that tea out of there and be more open?
1: Slow down. Grounded. Can I tell you,
0: that's the number one thing I've learned from you on this whole thing. You talked about, about him learning from just the way that the guy moves. The second, the second you jumped on the screen, I was like, I need to relax. <laughs> I need to swap. <laughs> you
2: are like, Yeah, literally.
1: Yeah, like I would just say like ground, soft, mm-hmm. open, upright, you know, just like, okay, like look, let's pull it together, you know, like, but I still remember, you know, like when I first got serious about meditating, whatever that means. And uh <laughs> But when I started doing it, very regularly, and I hated it, mm. I hated it. And I went to a place where they'd ring a bell, and you know we ring bells here too. But like, I couldn't wait for them to ring the bell. I couldn't wait for it to be over.
0: Yeah,
1: it felt like an eternity. I felt like for sure, like my legs were going to fall off because they went to sleep, and it was like that was bad.
0: Mm-hmm. You're like peeking out of one eye,
1: <laughs> or not just like come on already you know like (laughs) i'm awake (laughs) ring the freaking bell you know and uh get me out of this hell you know (laughs) and so but it was so interesting like i don't know what it was but i just like kept going Mm -hmm. and even though it never it was not pleasant and like i think that you know, we were talking about earlier that a lot of people, you know, want, want it to be pleasant. And there was just something about really learning how to be in the unpleasant and not run away. Yeah. That made me really interested. And it made me like, feel like, wow, there's some room for freedom. Like, wow, what's such, what's, why is something unpleasant such a big deal? Like nothing was actually happening. Like we're just mm. sitting quietly somewhere.
0: Mm. And
1: I was ma- I was making a big deal.
0: Yeah, 100%. That <laughs> house of sorrow. See, I'm look listening. At
1: you, look look <laughs> at you, Sarah. Look at you delivering.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. It's so true though. I mean, God, I, it's so much of what we do to ourselves. So I guess it's just like that's but honestly, that's what you're for. That's why I'm picking your brain because I'm trying to figure out how to knock that off.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just like an ongoing practice of knocking yeah. it off. It's like, oh, here this again. Like, but it, we then we start to recognize like, oh, there you are. There mm-hmm. you are.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: Mr. making it into something that it's not. Yeah. Look at you making it into something that it's not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And having a sense of humor about it. You
0: know? Yeah. It's, I, yeah. It's
1: it's super important. Mm-hmm.
0: Being able I to make we, fun of yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. And in, in a really loving way. It's just like, oh, come on already. It's like, uh. Oh,
0: there like, I go again. Go. <laughs> Reel that in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It sounds like a lot of it, and I know a lot of the Buddhist practice has to do with compassion. What do you think people struggle with the most when it comes to being compassionate with themselves, Mm -hmm. with others, whatever?
1: Well, the cool thing to me about compassion is that it is yourself with the world, right? And so I think some of us have a hard time with compassion because we're not actually even in the world, we're Mm -hmm. so in our thoughts Mm -hmm. and separating ourselves from the world. So that makes it compassion almost impossible because no one else exists you -hmm. know and so i think that the amazing thing is to realize like oh who are you you Mm -hmm. know and and i really do believe that we all have struggles with something Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know and i think that you know that's the historical but as big thing with the first nobility is like, we all have a struggle. So I think, and compassion, one of the definitions of it is that we struggle with others. Mm -hmm. And that we can actually oh, like, oh, Sarah, you have struggles, I have struggles. And that makes us more connected.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: so I can feel compassion together with you realizing like, oh, yeah, you have pebble in your shoe, I have a pebble in my shoe. And that makes us more
0: connected. Mm-hmm. So then what what about when somebody else puts a pebble in our shoe? Like, how do you have compassion for the assholes? Like the people that do us wrong, people that, you know, like misery loves company, like that kind of a situation. How mm-hmm. do you begin yeah. to like be compassionate for those people?
2: Mm. <laughs> that's
1: called like fifth gear passion practice yeah <laughs> you know? and, and uh yeah or maybe first gear you know sometimes we have to like <laughs> dial it Slow
0: down, down like, yeah okay. <laughs> you know, like, i'm yeah, so happy probably. you said that because i feel like you i thought i genuinely thought you're gonna be like you just have to be compassionate like you just have to know that no they're going through it too so that makes me happy <laughs>
1: I think it's like the great challenge, actually, it's to think about like who, whether it's a group or a person in the world who you think you're not, Hmm. you know, I definitely have a group that I think that I'm not. And so, and for me, just to be totally transparent, it's like a white supremacist, like I'm pretty sure that I'm not a white supremacist.
0: I don't fall into that category. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I realized, like, actually, I have a lot of intolerance and dislike that group. I have that feeling.
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: And so, what I decided that I would sign on. So, I've been doing this for now almost two years. So, I have a practice. So, every morning after I set meditation, I sign on to one of these white supremacist websites. And I do this every morning, and it just for a few minutes. I don't recommend it, but like, <laughs> but it's interesting. <laughs> and, and they're so hateful. Yeah. And like all the things that are written on this blog that I sign on to, it's so hateful, and so demeaning, and so overgeneralizing about lots of things. Mm. And what's fascinating is like, I still notice in my own experience how quickly I become just like them.
0: Interesting. Because why? Like, what's happening? Like,
1: they should be annihilated.
0: Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. Okay.
1: It's crazy. Like, and I realized, oh my goodness. Like, I, so to me, actually, that's the beginning of compassion. When I realized, like, my goodness, I have those eviscerating thoughts. Also,
2: let's mm-hmm. <sighs> unpack that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Talk God.
1: about humbling.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And like, wow, to realize, like, I'm just like a white supremacist.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You
1: know, I have the same kind of human quality yeah and so it's to me like that's you know so i don't necessarily recommend to go that extreme that's a practice but i think that it is really important to think about who in your life maybe it's a a people have perpetrated harm on us or they have put a pebble in our shoe it could be just you know that kind of innocuous like someone you know cuts in front of you or on the highway like it's that huge range right
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah Uh,
1: of all the people who are like "Eh." (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) i love that that's your noise for every person that sucks (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) you
1: know so whoever that is like again like the person on the highway or like a a political group or, or a racial group or like anything that we think that we're not, yeah. to me, is like that's a great place to say, like, well, how do I practice with that? And how do I find some place of connection? Mm-hmm. And how do I warm that connection? Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to be best friends mm-hmm. with the person, you know, it doesn't mean you have to like them or approve of what they do, but how do you actually recognize their humanity? Because mm-hmm. actually, in my experience, it actually encourages my own humanity but when i kind of mix a person or a group or whatever that is like that is actually doing something to me
0: yeah right right
1: i'm thinking it's doing something to somebody else but it's actually making me a bit smaller
0: yeah or even just like for sure smaller but also just like riled up, and then you start reeling, and then you start doing all of the negative things and emotions. And suddenly that person isn't involved at all. (laughs) And it's just you upset in your room by yourself.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so, to me, it's so important, actually, because it's to me, what I'm always interested in is freedom for ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. And to me, like those are the places where we we create little prisons for ourselves. yeah. And so how do we just like have this life? We have such short lives, really. You know, like maybe maybe seventy years, maybe eighty years, maybe more, but like, and for many people, a lot less. And uh, short time. So like might as well like use it to like learn something and actually warm it all
0: up. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. learn how
1: to be more loving and of service in this world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it feels on... good. Right. Exactly. So, on that note, I, it's my understanding that Carl Jung believed that humans are drawn to experiences of wholeness. Am I understanding that right? Okay. Is it possible? Like, is it possible to reach that wholeness? Because that's almost what that sounds like to me, is if you're, like, constantly going out and trying to learn more and be more curious and understand people, that that's where it comes from.
1: I think that we often have kind of a a limited view of wholeness. I think that we can experience wholeness for sure and wholeheartedness. And to me, wholeheartedness includes everything. Okay. Okay. Like, I, sometimes my image is of the earth where there's like, you know, beautiful flowers and meadows and oceans and whales and dolphins and flamingos and also toxic dumps and, you know, the Pacific garbage patch and volcanoes. And like, it has everything. So to see ourselves as whole is like seeing ourselves like the earth. Like that, we include, or as Walt Whitman said, you know, the great poet who said mm-hmm. that we contain multitudes. Like that, the wholeness is not. I think many people get disappointed because we want the wholeness to be like My Little Pony with Hello Kitty and a rainbow.
2: You know? Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> and I love Hello Kitty, but like you know,
0: it's not it's real. Much more than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> she is cute.
0: It sure is. (laughs) But that's about where it stops. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. If you had to pick one daily practice to bring more peace and happiness into your life, what would you pick?
1: It's Seated meditation.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah. Why do you answer? Why is that the answer? What do you think meditation does for you?
1: I think it doesn't do anything which is why it's so great about it
0: got me <laughs> good answer
1: and it, it just teaches you how to be with things as they are
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it doesn't give you anything it doesn't give you a prize no cookie no you know it just you learn how to be fearless in the midst of fear comfortable in the midst of discomfort And actually, to me, it's like the ground of courageous compassion.
0: I love it. Yeah. I have a quick closing game for you. Kind of toxic, kind of well. Are you ready? (laughs) What or who are you jealous of? (laughs)
1: Uh, Kitty cats. (laughs) Bodhidharma Burrito, our cat. You know, he's this huge Maine Coon cat. And he's just like... Has this amazing life, and he's just like, and he's like to me the great teacher. So the the jealousy is just like, look at you, just doing you.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's okay. scared.
1: He's scared when he's scared. He's hungry when he's hungry. Yes, yes. He sleeps when he sleeps.
0: I have to tell you, I have a cat. Her name is Judy. I have two cats, but <laughs> Judy specifically. <laughs> She, I swear to God, is a Zen Buddhist teacher in her past life. She freaks me out. She, anytime I do yoga, she could be nowhere. She's there. Anytime I meditate, she's there. I like open my eyes. She's in front of me. I sat, I was sitting on the floor preparing for this interview. She's there. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> is there, are you living with she's me? She's like, at- I'm Judy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> She's so weird. I'm like, you were a Zen teacher in your past life. I love
1: Judy. <laughs>
0: yeah, she's great. <laughs> when is the last time you people-pleased instead of doing or saying what you really wanted?
1: Hmm. That's a juicy one. Last time I people-pleased, last night uh, when I really wanted sushi. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted some sushi. <laughs>
2: and
1: <gasps> yeah. Chodo did not want sushi. And I was like, okay, we'll just order from wherever. <laughs>
2: that's great. When... It was
1: not to- it was not totally genuine. No. <laughs> and, and yet yet loving. But, yes. but it was definitely a people pleasing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. When are you selfish?
1: I can get really in the zone on the stairmaster. I like old school. Like I love the stairmaster. And like I can get really in his zone and sometimes like I'm like, don't talk to me.
0: I'm doing something. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful.
1: Yeah, like so, like literally this morning I was on the stairmaster. It was like working the shit out. And <laughs> it's intense, especially mm-hmm. after like 40 minutes on that stairmaster. It's like, <laughs> whoa, you know? And mm-hmm. Like someone came over and I was like, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. "Blinders, <laughs> that's great."
1: And I have a tiny bit of guilt.
0: Why? That's not being selfish. That's hundred percent selfish here. <laughs> what do you find yourself overthinking about?
1: I guess maybe the thing I think the most about is how do I create the conditions for these teachings to be available after i'm
0: gone okay good answer yeah untangled (laughs) step one (laughs) what are you picky about
1: Mm, i'm very picky about food i'm very picky about order and i'm very picky about work work ethic
0: okay i like it
1: And responsibility. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What do you uh what makes you quick to get angry?
1: Apparently, when my husband's peeking over my shoulder when he's not supposed
0: to I knew you were gonna (laughs) say that. (laughs) When somebody (laughs) really surprises, (laughs) what are you afraid of?
1: I still have a fear of snakes. Hmm. And I actually even went to North Carolina to the serpentarium to try to work with my fear of snakes. And I was afraid.
0: Were you? You left unchanged.
1: I was I was pretty curious and I spent a long time like with this king cobra, but I was still like, which are very intense, by the way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs>
1: it was like sizing me up. It's like, should I eat you? Yeah. I would say snakes.
0: Okay. What do you not have empathy for?
1: Okay, you keeping it real. Uh, I guess in those moments, like some of those white supremacists, like I just, I have these moments of like, I have moments of disgust,
2: you mm. know? Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah, I feel like I mirror them in a way that is so uncomfortable mm. and the lack of empathy in moments, you know, like mm-hmm. when it just, like. It's yeah. So intense.
0: Mm-hmm. It almost sounds like you don't have empathy for people that aren't compassionate that practice hate. Yeah,
1: like the <laughs> white same. supremacy be- or anybody. I, and I become the same.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. <laughs> if you could give one piece of advice to someone trying to become more well than toxic, what would it be?
1: When you're reflecting, maybe I would say going back to speech as practice to like and how you're talking to yourself and how you're talking to others taking on the practice of that part of the path of is it kind what i'm saying is it true is it necessary and is it helpful
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know how am i talking to myself how am i talking to others What kind of truths am I making? Mm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And do I really need to do that?
0: I love it, such a good answer. Where can people find you? Where can they find your book?
1: My current book, Untangled, Walking the Eightfold Path to Clarity, Courage, and Compassion is available on audiobook and a hardcover book and digital, uh, anywhere books are sold. And also my the previous book, Wholehearted, Slow Down.
2: She said, Sarah, read up. it. <laughs> uh, it's
1: also available on Audible and uh, anywhere books are sold. And you can find me on Instagram at Kosh Paley Ellison. And also the New York Zen Center, New York Zen Center at Instagram on Instagram and the Zen center. We have lots of wonderful programs for people, including Zen meditation and these 90 day practice periods where we Mm. commit to sit and learn and study with 16 different teachers and that's twice a year. And we also have a foundations and contemplative care training program, which again, is for about people who wanna bring their actions and their values together. And that, all of that can be found at zencare.org.
0: Awesome. Koshin, you killed this interview. I'm so excited to have talked to you. Thank you a million times. For being here. Mic drop. <laughs> you are the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're
1: the best.